0: Coming up. See, when we know the word and it becomes a part of our lives, it becomes a a, a teammate, if you will, in our life. It becomes a partner in our life. It it joins uh, our team, uh, the team of our life. In fact, it
1: becomes the
0: leader of your team.
1: Hello. Hello. And thank you for joining us on One by One, the podcast ministry of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. You wouldn't intentionally put yourself in harm's way, would you? Well, we do this spiritually every time we ignore our real enemy and leave the safety of God's presence. Join us for the message series, Maximum Security, where Pastor Rob discusses the various ways we can be spiritually secure and protected. Here's part one of the message, the need for the word of God.
0: The the passage is uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. In the message translation, and it reads, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that 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 we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirit up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Amen. And so our subtopic for today is the need for the word of God. The need for the word of God. So on your outline, I want to give you um, some reasons we need the word of God. Write that down. Some reasons we need the word of God. Number one, it is alive and active. It is alive and active. Uh, Hebrews four twelve says, "For the word of God is alive and active." <laughs> That's simple, right? <laughs> it's alive and active. <laughs> okay. Um, in the the new the easy to read version, um, what I just read to you is the NIV. The the new easy to read version says, "God's word is alive and working." It's alive and working. Okay. Yeah. There is life in God's word. It's not just sounds or ink on a paper. It's alive. There's life in it, and it puts in work. It puts in work. It puts in work. <laughs> you know, we we see people at the gym. You know, posting and uh, you know that they're putting their work in, right? And beads of sweat on their head and. They glossy and shirt all dripping wet because they putting in work. Well, let me tell you, the God, the Word of God, is putting in work. It's working on you and me. <laughs> it's working on everybody. It's working on the the, the world. Word of God is that work. It's putting in work. And here's the thing in your life. It's so active, and it's putting in so much work, and it's so alive that it will take over your life. The word of God will. It will take over your life. Um, It will take over your life, and you will lose control. You will lose control. Um, uh, That's how active it is. And we got to be honest about it. Uh, Part of the reason that the word hasn't taken over our life more than it has already is because we don't like losing control. Uh, The truth is, you know, sometimes we just want to do what we want to (laughs) do. We don't want to do what the word says we should do. And so we wrestle with it at times because we inside we're saying, I don't want nobody or nothing to tell me what to do. But the word of God don't go out like that. God says my word doesn't he doesn't when it goes out, it doesn't return to me void. And so we don't like it at times. Uh, but let me tell you, it will take over your life. And sometimes we view the word of God if we were to articulate it. And I know we probably hadn't said this before in this fashion, but we we review we view the word of God, and some of us do at least asks. Kind of being high maintenance. The word of God is kind of like high maintenance. It's like God, God, because it it'll, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be working so much on you, and it'll get into your head, and it'll be reminding you, and it'll get into your conscience, and it's, it's like it's, it's high maintenance to us, uh, and we would say that it comes with baggage. You know, because it's high maintenance. It comes with baggage. I'm going to tie that in a minute here to an analogy I'm going to give you. Um, and when we, we were to say that, we're partly right because it, does, it doesn't come with baggage. It does put in work and it does cause you to, to do some things. But the, it, what it does do is expose your baggage and my baggage. The word of God will expose that, oh, you jacked up. You got some stuff you need to throw out. Um, it'll tell us that it'll expose that to us see when we know the word and it becomes a part of our lives it becomes uh, a, a teammate if you will in our life it becomes a partner in our life uh, it, it it joins uh, our team uh, the team of our life in fact it becomes the leader of of your team your life it becomes the leader of it and again we don't like that because we we before it came before we knew about it we was leading um, Paul talked about this a little bit he he talked about how how when the Paul said it this way um, about how what the word of God does Paul says when the law came I died <laughs> He said, "That's the way Paul put it, and what he's talking about was the 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 before the law came, he he thought he was alive because he was doing what he wanted to do, but when the law came, it showed me just how messed up I was, and he so he says I died. <laughs> that's the way Paul Paul talks about it, and so so we we often don't like." The work that the word of God does. If we was honest, if we were honest, if we were honest with ourselves, and we would, we would say, "Yeah, that, it is it, pricking me. <laughs> it's pricking me." I didn't used to be bothered by doing certain things. Now, when I do it, the word of God comes along and pricked me. <laughs> we don't like that. See, see. here's the thing, the, the, when it comes into our life, it, it joins our team, it's so active, it's active, it's alive. It becomes the best player on our team, <laughs> the team of our life, it, it becomes the best player. It, it, it always does what it's supposed to do. <laughs> it always does the right thing. It, it can be trusted to get the job done. It becomes the best player on our team. Um, Consequently, consequently, the word of God demands, a, demands our attention, and we should yield to it. Meaning that since it's on our team, we should give the word of God the ball. <laughs> we, should give him the, we should give it the ball. You, you got the ball. You, <laughs> give him the rock, right? We should, we should yield, yield to it, right? But again, we don't really like that. But we should give it the ball, though. We should give it control. It's, 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 it's like having Michael Jordan on your team. Or if you want a model, a player that's playing today, a James Harden on your team, you know, somebody who's going to really dominate the ball you know, and score the ball and do some great things with the ball, stuff you can't do with it. The word of God, is, yeah, make things happen. That's right. Make things happen. But some of us would rather keep the ball ourselves, though. We don't want to give the word of God that much control. We want to keep the ball ourselves. And even though when we had it ourselves, we was losing the battles with the enemy. <laughs> we was taking L's left and right <laughs> when we kept it for ourselves. But then the word of God came and things got better. But then we like, we, but what about me, though? <laughs> Why can't I get my shots up? Well the question is, do you want to win? Do you want success? Or do you want to continue a life of failure, of disappointment, of not achieving your potential? That's the question. But the word of God comes in and it takes control. Because it, it has spiritual skill. And we have that on our team, but it's funny how we don't use it like we should. We have the word of God on our team, but we don't use it. We don't think about it. We don't put it into action like we should so that we can have more success. So that's the first reason that we need the word of God because it's alive and active. The second reason is it is the weapon The spirit of God uses. It is the weapon the spirit of God uses. Ephesians uh, 6, 17 says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You got to take it. It, Look what it says. It says you got to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I know we say sometime, and you may have said it, and I know I've said it at some point, that, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta, pick up my word. I got to grab my word. Okay? I know what you mean. That's your personal Bible. But here in the text, it's telling us the word is really the, the spirit. The, the, it's the sword of the spirit. <laughs> it's, it's really not your sword. <laughs> it's the spirit's sword. That, that's the reality of it. Okay, it, it, it's, it's really the spirit sword. And, and we should like that. We should like it. And the reason we should like it, because the spirit knows how to use it properly. He knows how to use it so that it can cause success in your life and on your the, your, your team. And so it becomes a person When the spirit uses it, it becomes uh, uh, active. It becomes uh, uh, manifesting itself to get rid of and do the work that it needs to do in your life when the spirit uses it. And uh, and we should want that because sometimes we mishandle it. We mishandle the word of God. Yeah, we do. That we we say things um, that are true to people, but we don't say it in love. When Ephesians four fifteen says, "You will," says that you should speak truth in love. And so we'll tell ourselves, well, "I just told them the truth, yeah." But you didn't tell them the truth with love. You misuse God's word. The spirit won't do that. The spirit will use it properly. So we should want the spirit to have control of it, to make use of it. We'll tell people the word with disdain and hate. Uh, we'll, we'll say stuff like uh, you will die in your sins and go to hell. <laughs> Just tell people stuff like that. Uh, yeah, if you, if you don't, um, ask God to forgive your sins. It's the truth. Yeah, you, you, the Bible says you, you go to hell. <laughs> but we don't have to tell people that with, with and, and not with love. Give them that truth without love. In fact, we should give them the good news that you don't have to <laughs> die and go to hell. There, there's a way out. But no, we can get full of ourselves. And we can even say some stuff that ain't necessarily scripture <laughs> and say it <laughs> with pride, disdain, and hate. Stuff like God don't like ugly <laughs> right well, where's the where's the passage for that? <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> All right And when we say ugly, we talking about ugly ways, God don't like ugly ways we we'll say stuff like that. So, uh, so you see, we, we need the spirit. We really need the spirit to help us to use the word right because we don't use it right sometimes. Hebrews 4, 12 goes on and says, God's word is alive and working. It is sharper than the sharpest sword and cuts all the way into us. So you see, the first thing that the word, that the spirit will do with the word is work on us and get active with us. Okay. Look at what it says about the, the it's, it's not only is the, the the word, the sword of the spirit, it says the word is sharper than the sharpest sword. All right. Okay. And, and then it says, and it cuts all the way into us. Look Look what happened. It goes on and says, it cuts deep to the place where our soul and the spirit are joined. That's some serious cutting. That's some precision cutting, y'all. That, that's precision. Look what it says. It says it can, it, it can, it can separate or di- di- differentiate and cut between your soul and your spirit. Two things that you can't see. The, the word of God can cut two things that's, in, that's, is, that's inanimate, it's immaterial. You don't see a soul, you don't see your spirit. But God, the word of God can, p- with precision, distinguish the two that we can't even see them. That's how powerful the word of God is. Right. See, see and it's say so, so we don't know how to handle that power. That's why we need the we need the spirit to help us cuz the, the spirit here you 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 get it done. You you do the cutting. Okay? Cuz I'm going to cut I'm going to cut somebody head off with it. If I use it. It reads on, God's word cuts to the center of joints and our bones. So the the word of God can just cut right in the center Where your joint connects with your bone. (laughs) That's some precision. The Word of God is precision. And so we need that in the hand of the Spirit. And then it reads on, it judges the thoughts and feelings of our hearts. So the first thing that the Word is going to do is start with us, it's going to start with us. And that's the first place the word, the spirit will use the word, is on us. Then he'll use it to protect us from our enemy. But in order for that to happen, the scripture instructs us to take it. (laughs) We can't leave it on the shelf. We got to take it so the spirit can use it. To do the work that it does. The third reason we need the word of God is it has proven to be effective. It has proven to be effective. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Look what it says here. Then Jesus uh, was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Did y'all see that? (laughs) This was after John the Baptist baptized him and God spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit descended on him like a dove, the scripture says. And then it tells us here that uh, the spirit led Jesus to the wilderness <laughs> to be tempted by the devil. You, you, we, we should be curious about what happened in what, what happened? I, I know you guys probably read it before, but it should pique your interest. You know, it's like the spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, to the devil, <laughs> to be tempted. He was led by the spirit and it goes on and it says after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Look what happened here. Satan shows up. To Jesus and Jesus hadn't ate in 40 days and he begins to question Jesus about who he is we're gonna talk more about that as we continue this message today he says if you are the son of God if you are turn these stones of bread I know you're hungry <laughs> you ain't ate in 40 days now understand, Jesus was led there by the Spirit. So Jesus is right where God wants him to be. Because the Spirit led him there. And here comes the enemy, tempting him and questioning him, questioning his identity. And He'll do the same thing for you. He'll question your identity. And it reads on. Look how Jesus responded. Jesus says, for it is written. <laughs> See, the word of God's been proven to be effective, led in the wild to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Devil comes and tempts him. And Jesus says, for it is written. That's how he responded to the tempter for it is written. And he goes on and says, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift up their hands. Okay. I jumped a little ahead here. Let me back up. Okay. (laughs) Let me back up. Jesus did say, For it is written. But before Jesus said it was written, Satan said, For it is written. He says, Turn the stones to be the, the turn these stones to throw. He says, "Oh, I, oh, I'm." I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. Number four, is written? Yes, my bad. I I looked at the other part where my page turned. Sorry about that. Uh. So, verse three, the tempter came to him and said, "If you are the son of God," Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So when the devil tempted him, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus used the word of God to fend off the attack of the enemy, proven to be effective. And then the encounter goes on. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he questioned his identity again. Verse 6, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And now the devil wants to quote scripture. The devil says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Y'all see this? The the devil knows the scripture too. So that tells us knowing the scripture, just knowing the scripture is not enough. (laughs) Because the devil knows it. And he'll use what he knows against you, just like he did with Jesus. And so he quoted scripture. Problem is, he misinterpreted scriptures and misapplies scripture. So Jesus replies back in verse seven. um, uh, Jesus answered him. It is also written. Okay. So so I'm going to pause right there for a minute. Sometimes just reading, reading one passage don't give us the, infinite, the complete picture. And this is what Jesus is telling Satan here. While you're trying to throw scripture at me and tempt me, uh, you have to also include these other passages in your interpretation and in your application. And so he says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's saying, don't just test God for the sake of testing him for no reason or no purpose, especially in the devil trying to get you to do something you ought not do. Verse 8 says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Now, this is the third temptation that he's tempting Jesus with. Uh, He took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. If you will bow down and worship me. So the devil showing him some things that he can see and saying, I'll give you all these things if you worship me. And Jesus replies once again. Jesus said to him, verse 10, away from me, Satan, for it is written. The third time he tells him it's written. Worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. And verse 11 says, then the devil left him and and angels came and attended to him. So you see what happened here. uh, After being led by the spirit to the wilderness, Jesus got tempted three times by the enemy. And each time Jesus fought him with the word of God by saying, for it is written. we have to use the word just like Jesus did, because it's been proven to be effective. And if the greatest man to ever live and walk the earth used it effectively, we know that it can be used to fend off the enemy, just like he did. B, write this down. Um, Four practical ways we should use the word. Four practical ways we should use the word. And I'm using word as a acronym to give us four ways that we can put the word to use in our lives. The first is this. Use it to answer the question, who am I? Use it to answer the question, who am I? Psalms 100 verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So the text tells us that you were made by the Lord and you did not make yourself. (laughs) And I know that seems kind of basic, right? But obviously we get it mixed up. We get things mixed up because we've allowed other things to tell us who we are, Hey, God says, no, I made you, and you didn't make yourself. But we allow ourselves to tell us who we are. We'll look in the mirror and say, I think this looks. I think this is who I am. We'll let other people tell us who we are and not the Creator. So though it seemed basic that you didn't make yourself, why do we let other things tell us who we are? Our family, our friends, our coworkers, our schoolmates, the media, commercials, all these things tell us who we are. Books, yeah, to tell us who, movies, that's right. Uh, Celebrities. We let all these other things tell us who are. And the God says, no, you didn't make yourself. We get the we mixed up. He says, we didn't make ourselves. Mankind didn't make itself. God made us. And because he's the one that made us, he's the one who should tell us who we are. The creator should dictate who we are, not the created dictating who we are. And we get it mixed up we let other people tell us who we are and not what the Creator
1: says. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ.
0: You know God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that you could live with him forever. If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I sinned against you. I have made some mistakes in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and my mistakes and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control transform me to reflect the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to personally welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to connect with the church near you so that you can learn more about Jesus, grow closer to God, and to other believers.
1: God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. Gideon says, I got a question. If
0: God is with me, then why are all these things happening? And he knew God. He knew, he grew up being taught about God. He tells us that. So it's not enough to just send your children to church. <laughs> just to teach them about God. It, it's, when it says, train up, it's talking about more than that.
1: Thank you for listening.